This podcast is a part of the Podmania Podcasting Network. Check out podmania.co.uk to check out more of our great podcasts, features, reviews, match ratings and previews spanning the crazy and diverse world of professional wrestling. Welcome to the Stardom Cast, your audio source for all things World Wonder Ring Stardom right here on the Podmania Podcasting Network. I am your host, Rob Goodwin, and I am joined as ever by Matt Turner. Happy holidays, Matt. How are you? Good. Happy holidays. How's everything over there in the land of the Iron Maiden there? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, you have no idea how much I wish that that was what we were more widely known as, the land of Iron Maiden. Uh, that, like, what a, what a fantastic way of greeting our country. Um, it's it's cold, it's foggy, miserable, um, but, you know, it's like that in summer in Britain anyway. Um, but, yeah, it's it's all going well sort of getting those last couple of things ready for Christmas. I'm still without cards because I'm a man and therefore horrendously disorganized, but presents are all wrapped. The main bulk of the whole stressful situation is sorted. Hopefully, he says, with fingers crossed, Christmas should go without a hitch, but they might be famous last words. What about you? Yeah, kind of in the same boat. I just have to really do some wrapping. And really, that's not uh, probably about it. I kind of do a little bit each day to kind of get closer to uh, where I need to go. So I'm not running around like crazy. Cause I've been, I used to be so last minute, even when I was in college, it was like, you know, 10 days to do a paper and you wait until literally, you know, the 11th hour. So, oh, but no, everything's going real. You know, it's always nice. Christmas is always nice. I'm done with work until I believe the third or the fourth. So that's good. I can kind of get a little rest and relaxation, a little more time in the gym, a little more time with my, with the family. So, so that's good, you know, no complaints, and obviously a lot of time with uh, with stardom because we have a lot of stuff to uh, to comb through, which I'm excited about. Yeah, of course. Obviously, we're just off the back of Osaka Super Wars, which has only just come onto Stardom World. So, uh, yeah, it was it was interesting trying to get everything uh, watched and reviewed ready for the podcast, but we've managed it. Um, but a, a fantastic show, um, and will obviously the main point of this this episode is to go through the Osaka Super Wars show and talk talk about all of the matches. You know, it, it was a risk to run the Edian Arena with no title matches. Um, but I think, spoilers, I think Stardom pulled it out of the bag with an absolutely fantastic show. To be able to do a show like that with no title matches is a tremendous achievement. And uh, I'm looking forward to talking to you about that a little bit later, Matt. Well, Rob, I don't mean to you know correct you, but there was some title matches. The uh, artist of Stardom titles. I apologize. The yes, there was. Yes, there was. The artist. That's what I'm. That's what I'm here for. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> well, that's all you get from me, folks. That's it. That's all I got. 
<laughs> Genuinely, completely forgot that the artist belts were even on the line. Um, but never mind. <laughs> um, yeah, just before we uh, before we kick in to our reviews, I just want to briefly um, talk about our Patreon because we've started up a Patreon um, and the it is live now. If you go on to patreon.com forward slash the stardom cast, um, everything's up there. You can have a look at what we do. I'm just going to run through the tiers. I also want to thank the people who have already subscribed, which is tremendous considering we've said that, you know, content, Patreon-exclusive content, isn't dropping until January. So for those people who haven't, we'll give you a shout-out in a moment. Absolutely tremendous. Thank you so much. We really do appreciate it. Any money to talk about stardom is just its a dream come true. It really is. Um, but I just want to talk about a couple of things. So we've got three tiers. The first is the high-speed tier. Um, for that, you get the complete podcast archives. Um, you get a shout-out on the podcast monthly votes on what the next Patreon episode topics will be. And you can also suggest a match or a show for me and Matt to review. Um, once you subscribe to Patreon, there's a link at the top of the page that's been pinned. You can just go onto there, fill in the table, and we'll get to that match or show at some point. Um, the white belt tier, which is $3 a month, uh, everything that was in the high-speed tier, except we have got two bonus episodes a month patreon exclusive episodes a month that you can only get on the white belt and red belt tier of our patreon and i will be revealing our first two patreon exclusive episodes in a moment and then finally our most expensive tier a red belt tier which is five dollars um, everything you get on the high speed and the white belt tiers but you also get quarterly q a's with me and matt and listen i've put on the patreon i understand that matt is a damn sight more interested than me he was trained by cm punk for god's sake so you know ask him all the questions about ring of honor and that sort of time that's fine unless it's something to do with your favorite type of rice i'll be pretty much useless but even so even so i'll do my best um, we're also going to do monthly live stream hangouts where you can join us and chat to us when we check out a show of your choice from any promotion, New Japan, Gaia Japan. Um, it can be Freedoms. It can be whatever you want us to watch. Um, we'll do that with you. And then, of course, the exclusive Stardom cast sticker. So hopefully you would consider throwing some money our way. It's a real honor to be able to do this, Matt. Um, what, anything you want to add to that? No, I mean, I, we're real excited uh, you know, to do it, obviously, you know, you guys will be the paying customers. So obviously, pick, you know, pick a match. You know, this is this is all for you. This is all, you know, it's, it's all for you to, you know, whatever you guys want us to discuss. And, you know, as you alluded to a minute ago there, Rob, yeah, I've yeah, any questions and answers about with me, with my training with CM Punk. Not only that, but obviously I was trained mainly by CM Punk with a lot of seasoning from Samoa Joe. Or you could ask me about the tryout I had for New Japan or the tryout I had for Dragon Gate or the time. I spent um, on a show with Dusty Rhodes or the time I literally walked into a link, Ring of Honor locker room and the chair that I was used to uh, to get ready for my show was right next to three chairs. And in those three chairs were sitting Bobby Heenan, Jim Cornette, and Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. I have a lot of stories. I, I've done a training seminar with Brian Danielson and Kenta. So by any means, you know, if you sign up for that Patreon, you can ask me any number of those questions. I'm an open book. I'm, I'm excited to talk about. I'm excited to relive those uh, those great days. So and uh, and obviously we uh, truly appreciate the support already. 
um, like you said before, Rob, that we uh, we already have some people that have already signed up for the Patreon, which goes to show we must be doing something right. It it, it appears that way, doesn't it? Um, just listening to you, then, <laughs> you know, just all these things that you've done, and then the extent of my exciting life is today. I saw a rather big bird in the garden. That that's literally where my life is at, at the moment because we're basically on lockdown. So, uh, but yeah. you, but 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 for you, bird enthusiasts, you can ask that question. If Absolutely. You sign up for the Patreon. So there you go. You know, <laughs> sign up to our Patreon and ask about birds. Sure, why not? Don't know what type of bird it was. It was black with a little bit of blue on it. Could have been anything. Um, but like Matt said, we've got three superb Patreons have already subscribed. Niagara Driver, Rob Jones, Joseph Usher. Thank you so much for subscribing. The fact that you have subscribed to our white belt and red belt tiers. We can't thank you enough. Thank you so much. And hopefully we'll... Uh, will provide a good service that you enjoy paying for. Um, just so that you know, um, our first two bonus episodes, which are due to drop on the 5th of January, that's a Wednesday, and the 19th of January. So it's going to look, hopefully it's going to be every other Wednesday. It's going They're going to be roughly two a month. There might be the odd one where you get three, but we're trying to do every other Wednesday, and they'll be released at 6 p.m. British Standard Time. So our first episode is going to be a retrospective of Io Shirai's second run with the Red Belt, her 14 defense run with the belt that includes all of those fantastic Mayu matches, some great encounters with Kyrie Hojo, with Tony Storm. There's a litany of WWE talent in there. Kaylee Ray is in there, Viper, or as she's now known, Dewdrop is in there. So there's a lot to talk about in that. And then our second Patreon episode, we're going to be doing an in-depth match review of one of the best stardom matches I've ever seen um, in Tam Nakano versus Arisa Hoshiki from um, Shining Destiny 2019. And that's going to be released on the 19th of January. So if you haven't yet signed up, please, please do. All new content will be coming in January. And in regards to the Q&As and the Hangouts and things like that, a little bit more information will be coming a little bit closer to the time. So keep your eye out on our Twitter at the Stardomcast and, of course, our Patreon. Thank you again. Um, but I suppose, Matt, we should probably start talking about Stardom Osaka Super Wars 2021. Um, before we get into the nitty-gritty and all of the details, as an overview, what did you think of this show? I thought it was great. I mean, this was basically kind of maybe one filler match. I guess maybe the opener was kind of a filler but i kind of have a theory on the finish but everything else was you had the two uh six lady tag matches that led to the ladder match and then of course the uh the queen's quest for first oedo tie the match that i am now dubbing sponsored by sean michaels because it was a heartbreaking match oh god wasn't it just it was awful absolutely awful and i'm sure we have got lots and lots to say about that because we we spoke about it privately um, and we've both said, like, just how well, how well structured that finish was done. But we won't elaborate too much on that. Um, overall, I thought the show, five matches, you know, five match card, the Artist of Stardom title match, fine <laughs> as part of the tournament, but no big title matches, no singles matches. And they still managed to draw a crowd of 1,222 to their first attempt at the Eddian Arena, which, just for a little bit of context, sits as their fifth 
biggest show attendance-wise of the year. Um, sitting behind the All-Star, Dream Cinderella from Budokan, which drew in 3,318. The final of the five-star, which drew in 1,539. Um, the Osaka Joe Hall show, the Osaka Grand Final, which drew in 1,441. And then Tokyo Dream Cinderella, which drew in 1,240. So... It's done remarkably well to draw that level without having, you know, a big Utami title defense or a big Tam title defense. And let's be perfectly honest, this is done on the back of the tournament and the angle between Awida Tai and Queen's Quest. And that goes some way to showing how well Stardom actually did in booking those two angles, Matt. Yeah, it's amazing because I'm trying to dig up, and you know better than me, because I do very well research, but Rob, the research he does is absolutely outstanding. He texts me like all hours of the day, and it literally <laughs> just blows my mind of how much homework he does, especially on something like pro wrestling, which I do a lot of homework on. It's it's really it's really remarkable. Um, but I really trying to go back like to the EO days and the Kari days of like the, you know the 14, 15, 16, 2017, and. I could be wrong, but Stardom really didn't draw like into the thousands like as much as they really had over the last year and a half. Aside from the odd show, um, they drew... You're looking at 1,100, 1,200 with the odd exception. Obviously, the last time they ran Sumo Hall in 2013, they drew 5,500. Um, wow. I think the star, there was a show in 2012, uh, Stardom X Stardom, I think, drew 1,500. Um, but not until really the latter end of the run have they started drawing in 1,000s, you know, the high 1,000s. I mean, the first time they sold out Corican, uh was the ninth anniversary show, and that was 1,602. And that still to this day is their third biggest show um, attendance-wise. But I, I thoroughly anticipate them break, breaking that. Was that the Mayo my, my, uh, Mayu, uh, Momo match, ninth anniversary? Yes, it was. Yeah, it was. Okay. A, a superb card, top to bottom. It's it's one that I would love to do another review of um, in depth because it, it, it truly is a tremendous show. That main event alone, um, absolutely fantastic. Um, yeah. But um, we opened the show from December the 18th, 2021, with a three-on-one handicap gauntlet match, which saw Suri defeating Wakasukiyama, Mei Sakurai, and Lady C, last eliminating Lady C with the figure four leg lock in seven minutes and 15 seconds. Now, I think I said last time, Matt, I haven't been so sadistically intrigued in a matchup for a long time. Just watching, you know, Waka dancing away to the ring full of youthful optimism. And I can't help but smile at the thought of the savage beating awaiting her. And I know that's really, really harsh, but it was something I was really looking forward to. And let's be honest, Suri had her way with all three of these. Well, if that's what you want, if that's what you got, <laughs> let me tell you. But uh, yeah, I mean, this is exactly what I thought it was going to be. But I texted you as soon as I got done watching it, and because we kind of figured what it was going to be, and I thought Lady C for uh, got a lot of offense. Like Siri really gave her a lot. Like she squashed Maya, she squashed Waka, and she she gave Lady C quite of a bit, especially when we're only a week or so away from you know her big title match versus Utami. But then I was kind of putting the pieces together. If you watch the last few matches that Lady C's been on, these random tag matches, she's been teaming with people from DDM. And in these pre-show interviews, pre-match interviews, they're like, yeah, I know where I'm going. I know where I'm, I know what faction I'm going to. I, I already chose them. And I think maybe coming out of this, like I said, the little angle here that I 
took out of it is the fact that Siri's going to be, you know, she's firing on all levels. She won the five star. She's been going through everybody left and right leading up to this big match here at the end of the year with Utami. And I think the fact that Lady C got a couple things on her, a couple of big moves on her, mm. I think maybe that'll like Siri will say something like, hey, you know, you, you did really well. Why don't you come on over to DDM? And I think, and I know we've had this discussion, I think last week on the show, we're trying to figure out where she was going to go. Where last week I thought she was going to Stars, but now I think she's going to DDM. I do agree with you. I do, I do think she's DDM bound. Um, not just because of the way she's impressed Suri, though I'm sure that's going to have something to do with it, definitely from you know an entertainment standpoint. But from from a booking standpoint, you look at the statistics and Natsupoi has eaten a hell of a lot of pinfalls because you know ultimately you don't want the likes of julia the likes of mike or the likes of suri to be eating those pinfalls so it falls on himika and that's the point it's very hard to build a person if they are almost uniquely a pin eater um, now don't get me wrong Natsupoy yeah. is also taken a lot of winning falls as well as well as a lot of losing falls but every single tag match she's been in and lost with ddm she's been the one to take the pinfall um yeah so someone well, did like- a good job they did a good job pushing her on this show, you know. Absolutely, I mean, get it. So, absolutely. I mean, the story of the show throughout, throughout from this moment all the way through, I thought they did a fantastic job continuity wise. Um, in terms of this match, absolutely, really, really thought Lady C shone here. I thought Wacker looked good to start off with, sort of that quick optimism. I thought that um, her movements looked a lot more seamless than they have done in the past. May was May, you know. It's only going to improve. I didn't think much of it here, but yeah, Lady C, I thought really, really good. Hitting a brain chop, um, taking a leaf out of the great Carly's playbook, which I thought was uh, was interesting. But um... wait, no, that's guy of father. That's guy. How dare, how dare you, sir? How dare you? I thought he was going to say it. I was like, oh, he's going to put Bava over. He's going to put Bava. He went to the giant Carly. And the Patreon subscribers have all fallen off. <laughs> I've got later on in my notes about... Um... Merry Christmas, everyone. <laughs> there it is. That's your gift. Oh, hashtag Carly over Baba. Um, yeah. <laughs> wow, no, don't do that. Yikes. Yikes. <laughs> I've got in my notes as well about Baba. Um, but I just, I see a brain chop. And because I'm so conditioned to see Carly, because it was the one thing Carly could actually do, um, it, it just automatically makes me think of Carly. And I knew it would wind you up if I mentioned it. So, uh, yeah. Um, WWE Hall of Famer, great Carly. Absolutely. Said it. Absolutely. <laughs> Put some respect on his name. Uh, Siori eventually comes out the winner, which I think surprised no one. Um, but probably the biggest thing to come out of this was the return of the masked attacker that has been plaguing the rookies for the last two pay-per-views. Um, however, this time they seem to have multiplied. There's now two of them. Um, one of them, their mask comes completely off while they're beating the hell out of Lady C. So the entirety of the world has now seen, at least from the nose up, because she was at least uh, clever enough to have some sort of snood or scarf around the bottom half of her face. Um, But I've already half-heartedly speculated as to who the mass attackers might be, um, especially with the recent raft of releases from Ice Ribbon and the unfortunate plight of actress girls. It could quite literally be anyone at this point. Um, um, Devontae Walker on um, Facebook has put the Momos. Who do you think they are? I think we spent we spent a good chunk of time looking at who it could have been last week. 
it's not going to be someone huge because if it was someone huge, they wouldn't be debuting against, you know, the future of stardom division. They'd be, you know, doing this at the end of a main event or at the end of a white belt match. So please don't get your hopes up of it being Kari Hojo. Um, or a research, which I've also seen speculated. It's not going to be either of those. Wish. I wish. Oh, my God. Wouldn't it? <laughs> I'd, I'd, I'd forego how bad that was because Arisa would be back. I don't care how she debuts. Um, but, yeah, unfortunately, I don't think it'll be her either with uh, with her recent announcement. But how funny, would it, how funny would it be? We always you know, talk about how great the booking is on Stardom, and it has. How awesome to be if they unmask and it's Io and Kari. Like, Io's still under WWE contract. She doesn't care. She's coming back to Stardom. She wants to feud with Lady C, you know, and Waka. Oh. <laughs> that's, that's, I'm like, all right, hey, I'll, whatever. All right, I'll take it. <laughs> hey, we've been out of this company for years. We're starting from the, you know, for, not to sound disrespectful, we're starting from the bottom up. <laughs> yeah. I honestly, I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall in that creative meeting where they've gone, right, Eo, I know you've been away for a long time, but we've got this fantastic way you can debut. Have you ever heard of a Momo? Um, and just getting her to debut beating the shit out of Lady C, it, it would be highly entertaining. <laughs> um, but ultimately, you know, I have a feeling that this match, A, you're getting Siori on the card, which is important. You're keeping her strong, which is important. It's reps for those three rookies, and I think Wacker and Lady C especially benefited from that. And then, of course, you've got a little bit more um, exposure for those Momo masked attackers i've got a feeling that we are likely to see their identity at uh year-end climax at Carlton. Yeah, i agree i agree that you're going to see a lot of not only great matches but i think you're going to see some blow-offs or some feuds some new things to be started and uh some surprises so yeah i agree i think we'll see that uh on ne- next week's show yeah absolutely um just before the beginning of the 10 million yen and artist of stardom championship tournament we got a short vignette and advertised the latest confirmed date for Stardom's early 2022 calendar. So if you remember, they released the first couple of dates for the New Year Stars show. They've also got a Nagoya show at the end of January. Um, This one was for the Stardom Cinderella journey in Aore. Again, I hope that's how you say it. On the 23rd of February from uh, Aore Nagawaka in Nagata. So, again, I apologize if I butchered that name. If I have, please just let me know how to say it, and I'll try and get better. But, yeah, that's another date confirmed in Stardom's calendar. It's a relatively big arena. Um, I think it looks at about 4,500, I think, capacity um, for, like, theater shows and things like that. So it's a big venue, obviously, depending on how COVID is in Japan at that point. It, it should be a big show. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, we then got the first round, the first match of the first round of the Artist of Stardom Championships 10 million yen unit tournament. I'm not going to call that it that every time. I'm just going to call it the tournament. Um, with Donna Del Mondo, the team of Himika, Micah and Natsupoi defeating Team Marvelous, Takumi Aroha, Rin Karakura and Maria with a powerbomb in 15 minutes and 25 seconds. Um, before we start with the match, I just want to talk about the pre-match interview because I I loved this. The entire of the focus of the video package on the cracks forming in the My Himipoi team and specifically between, obviously, Himika and Natsupoi. When Marvelous gave their interview, they were collectively as one. They were really close to each other. They were laughing. They were having a good time. But the champions are interviewed separately with Natsupoi in tears and sort of all that frustration that Himika has with her friend 
just overflowing in this interview. And I thought it was a really good, subtle way of doing that disparity between the two teams and their current fortunes, Matt. Yeah, I mean, uh, good point. It looks like, you know, we talked about it before, but there's there's cracks in the armor and where's it going to go? Where's it going to lead to? And uh, they did a good job kind of teasing that and kind of poking along the way. And then uh, and obviously the match happened, which I thought was was fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in contrast to the video package, as they come down to the ring, the champions seem to be on a bit of a united front. Um, there's a little bit of grudging respect there, but Himika seems, you know, isn't quite giving Natsupoi the cold shoulder, but you can you can sense the tension there, which is uh, which is important. Something I always enjoy. We we got a message um, on Twitter, I think, which was um, from let me uh, let me tell you from Phil Gerard on Twitter, so at More Films, who said whose dance intro was better, DDM or Cosmic Angels? Is um, I'm a big fan. Hey, no, I, I have a note on that actually. Do you actually? That's amazing. I, I wrote a note down, not to cut you off, but I'll go first. I, I put, if there is a artist to start a match where it's just, where it's DDM versus the Cosmic Angels and it's just on their dance moves, the Cosmic Angels win in a WWF-style 1980s squash. I don't even think it's close. <laughs> I don't even think it's close. <laughs> Honestly, you watch DDM, and it's it's a great dance. It, it It's a great dance. It's sure, fine. Sure, sure. But you look at Paul Micah's face, who clearly... Wants to be anywhere else but doing that Morris dance, and it's just, you feel for her. You really, really do. She's got this really fixed, vacant smile on her face. Whereas all three members of Cosmic Angels are proper going for it. I mean, I know Tam used to be a idol. I don't know if she was part of an idol group or something like that, but all three of them are extremely into the dance. You know, there's passion behind it. Whereas Micah just looks like if I close my eyes, it'll be over soon. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm with you 100% there, Matt. Cosmic Angels in a heartbeat. Absolutely no competition whatsoever. Well, we, we might, we might see a little bit of that at the end of the year show, because I know, obviously we'll preview it, but it's the Cosmic Angels versus DDM. Now, granted, Tam's not there. You don't have Michael Jordan there, but at the same time, you still have, <laughs> you know, some, some really good, uh, people in there. You know, you have the Unagi and, uh, Mina, she's. They're all about it as well. They're just they're they're just so charismatic. Like the Cosmic Angels group, especially those three, the the the, the top three, they're so charismatic. Mm. And it, it, they're literally it's one thing to be good in the ring, bell to bell, but they're good curtain to curtain. What I mean is like from the moment they break curtain to the moment that they leave the curtain, they're so entertaining. On a new Japan standpoint, that's my exact issue with Sonata. Like bell to bell, great wrestler. Cannot fault him in ring. Fantastic in ring technician. But everything else, there's there's no charisma there. He just, he comes to the ring, he does his match, he leaves. And that's, you know, that's something that you cannot in any way say about Cosmic Angels. Like, Mina and Unagi especially live every single moment of when Cosmic Angels are out, of the, out in the ring. It's, it's really quite heartwarming to watch. Um, the match itself, though, Matt, what did you think? Well, I thought it was really good. I thought this was really good. Both these, I know we're talking about the Cosmic Angels, but both these uh, six-lady tag matches, I thought they were both really good. But at the same time, I think if you if they do a rematch, like they left stuff on the table. So if you do a rematch where it's like the main event on one of these road, road two shows or like a co-main event and giving it, what this, you said this match went, what, about 15 minutes? Mm. Uh, 15 minutes and 25 seconds. 
So if they did a rematch and they gave him maybe three or four more minutes, I think it would be even better. But I I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, some of the notes I've had, I really want to see a uh, Natsupoi versus Rin Katakura match, like a singles match. I thought to start off the match, DDM did a really good job of avoiding Takumi's kicks. Obviously, that's her bread and butter. You would see, like, she'd get ready to throw the kick, and they would block her to run away. And I'm like, eventually, it's building, it's building, it's building. And then not only did she hit the kick, she hit about 100 of them. Again, you know, that's her bread and butter. But all these three teams really, really worked well together. And, uh, again, I would love to see a rematch of this somewhere down the line where they're given maybe closer to 20 minutes. Absolutely. And something that like both these first round matches are really, really good. The, you do get the impression, though, that they are holding something back. Understandably, when you consider that one of them has got to go out and wrestle the first ever stardom ladder match after this match. So you can understand that. But yeah, I'm with you. I'd love to see a rematch of this. Himika versus Aroha was brilliant. Just basically two fridges running into each other. Absolutely fantastic. Natsupoy and Rin with you 100%. I'd, Every time Ring comes into a stardom ring, she has improved massively. Um, and obviously, being in the ring with Mayu, she sort of inherited some of those little nuances, which is fantastic. Though Maria looked good, the tactic of trying to target Himika's arm to stop lariating people into oblivion, um, sort of with the arm bars and the kicks, I thought was a really, really good strategy. Ultimately, DDM were just a little bit too strong. They had the power factor, Matt. Yeah, yeah, and there was actually a funny part of the match where, uh, well, I guess kind of, it was entertaining for me, like Nasa Poi, she's trying to be, like, all fiery, obviously, you know, she's the high speed, she's the, you know, for lack of a better term, the cruiserweight of of this match, and uh, Takumi is is the bruiser, and she comes at her with these forearms, and she's just throwing them and throwing them, Takumi's just standing there laughing, I'm like, oh, poor Nasa Poi, she's gonna get hers, (laughs) she's gonna get hers, but Nasa Poi might have even been, like, one of the MVPs of this total show, but yeah, this was a tremendous match and the marvelous team they looked really good but going back to your point yeah obviously there was stuff held back between these back-to-back um tag matches because they had to do the the absolutely insane ladder match as the main event and not only that but they had to follow the uh the heartbreak kid match as well absolutely absolutely i mean something that you mentioned there about natsupoy and uh, eroha there was such a sense of natsupoy trying to impress himika in this match especially, you know, trying to prove herself. You know, I'm not weak. Look, I'm firing up. I'm trying to clothesline you, row her, for God's sake. Yeah, I know I'm going to get my head kicked off, but maybe then you'll acknowledge me. And it was, that's why I found Natsupoi, I find her endearing anyway, but that's why I found her endearing, especially on this show, because she is trying to prove herself to Himika, her friend, who's pretty much disowned her at this point. I thought he was brilliant. And then post-match where Himika pretty much refuses to acknowledge Natsupoi's very existence and stands with Himika. Uh, sorry, stands with Micah instead. Brilliant. Subtle. We didn't yeah. need Himika going to powerbomb Natsupoi or anything like that. Just subtle, well-executed, good stuff all round as we move into the second tournament match. I, I thoroughly enjoyed this one, Matt. Yeah, Absolutely. Second round, second match then, sorry, in the tournament saw the Stars team of Mayu Iwatani, Kaguma, and Hazuki defeating the Cosmic Angel team of Tam Nakano, Yanagi Sayaka, and Mina Shirakawa with the Hazuki Strahl in 13 minutes and 49 seconds. Um, it was We talked about it last week in our preview that it was a nice, simple bit of booking to have Stars and Cosmic Angels rekindle their feud here, um, especially as the entire tournament the stakes were sort of portrayed as being the brainchild of Stars in the first place, and it could be 
what is effectively the Stars splinter group elim- eliminating them in the first round. Um, it's the first time we've seen Mina in a couple of weeks. Um, she hasn't been seen since her Tokyo um, Super Wars match where she took that horrible bump in the ring uh, after that power bomb. So thankfully she's back. She seems fine. The dance went as well as can be expected. No uh, T-shirt escaping and tripping Tam up this week. Um, which is always good. She had a absolutely hellish two weeks, didn't she, between that and that terrible bump. Um, but overall, really good match. Some fantastic chemistry once again, Matt. Yeah, uh, to, to piggyback on the... I actually wanted to talk about this at the beginning of the show, but it slipped my mind. You just talked about Tam and that crazy bump uh, with uh, with Utami from about a week or so ago. Mm. I actually I watched it when you sent it to me on my phone uh, about an hour or so later. I actually watched it on my actual TV. You only saw the one camera angle because there only was the one camera angle there, but it looked like when she went over, it looked like she got her hand down. And I think that's what broke her fall. Obviously, then she gets up, fires up, finishes the match, and then she looked great in this match too. So obviously, she didn't have a concussion or any big thing. But after I watched it a couple times on my, my bigger TV, it looked like she got her hand down. That might have been the thing that saved her. But uh, I, don't, I just kind of just wanted to throw that out there. But anywho, yeah, this match was fantastic. We always talk about how Yunagi is improving with every uh, every output she has, every match she has. And her exchange in the beginning with Mayu was fantastic. And again, that's another singles match that I would like to see. And her stuff with um, Hazuki was really, really good uh, uh, as well. So maybe that's somewhere down the line. I'd like to see Yunagi and Mayu give them, you know, 12, 13, 14 minutes. I think they'd have a, a heck of a singles match. The last time we saw... Um, Mayu and Yunagi in singles action was actually in February as part of Yunagi's seven-match trial, which was effectively a extended squash. And I know it's been yeah. 11, point, 11 months by this point, but even so, just the quick-paced and seamless transitions between the pair showed just how far Yunagi's come. I think because she had that seven-match trial series, it was... Very, very same. You know, it was she'd gone into a formula a little bit where, you know, she had the same five moves. Um, but here she's learning to adapt to situations, she's adapting her offense, and she's becoming a lot better for it. I completely agree with you in terms of the Mayu exchange, one of the best parts of the match. The second excellent part is between Hazuki and Tam. It makes me desperately hopeful that we see this in a single settings in the near future can you imagine hazuki versus tam for the white belt if tam is to go past saya in sumo hall which i don't think she will but if she does i want hazuki to be their next challenger and i want hazuki to take the belt i genuinely think that will be an absolutely stellar matchup yeah, that was awesome. And obviously, uh, the, the two captains, you know, Mayu and Tam, they had a really good exchange. Uh, they, it was, it's cool to see, like, how much they know about each other. There was an exchange where Mayu, like, went to go throw, a, like, a head kick, like a buzzsaw kick, and Tam did the Matrix thing where she ducked it. But yeah. then Mayu held her foot, and she waited for Tam to come back up, and then she just rewandered her foot and super kicked her in the face. I'm like, oh, man, that was something cool. Like, I knew, like... It was kind of like, I'm going to throw this fake. I know what you're going to do. And then I'm just going to hold my foot. If you come back and I'm just going to kick you right, right in your mouth. And so, we, yeah, we never that see awesome. that reversed. We never see that reversed. Tam hears that every single time. So to have that one moment where it's reversed does tell that story of we used to know each other. We used to be really good friends. We're not anymore. And I really, really enjoyed that. Um, 
Mina actually finally managed to get someone up for the glorious driver Mina, but sorry, the glamorous driver Mina, but um, Hazuki sort of wriggles free and rolls her up with the Hazuki Stroud for a flash pin victory. Um, I mean, in the spirit of being horrendous sore losers, Yunagi then starts a fight with Kagame, which seemed pretty unnecessary. Um, <laughs> I mean, she's a little upset, a little too much Red Bull. Yeah, know? absolutely. I mean, my Mayu didn't care. She'd already bailed. She's halfway up the ramp. You know, great team unity and all that. But um, Cosmic Angels have got to watch as stars uh, make their way to the final of the tournament. Again, really good match. There wasn't a lot of Mayu in this match again. And again, you get that impression that they wanted to save her for the ladder match. And oh boy, there is a reason for that. Um, anyway, moving on. I know this isn't the main event of the show, but perhaps in every way apart from name, this was the main the event draft. of the show. It's the, it's the draft. You can only watch, you know, if you were, were to wake up and Stardom World were like, hey, you can watch one match from this show. 99% of us would say, you know, that it, it, it was this match because we knew there was an angle coming. We knew something big was coming. We kind of had an idea what was going to happen. But we, when I, when I saw the result, I was like, oh, how come we didn't think of that? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. The match we're talking about, of course, is the eight-woman loser must join opposition unit versus mass captain's fall tag team match. Jesus Christ, that's a mouthful. Um, with the Oida tag team, Starlight Kid, Konami, Saki Kashima, and Ruwaka defeating the Queen's Quest team, Momo Watanabe, Azumi, Yutami Hayashishita, and Saya Kamatani via disqualification in 19 minutes and six seconds. Oh my God, you called it, Matt. You called it. Well, you called the Azumi part. Between you called us. the Azumi. <laughs> Between yeah. us, we called it. Yeah, and uh, and I think I think part of my you know we'll, we'll talk about this when we get to the end of the uh, end of this match. But I think part of my prediction and part of your prediction, the one that you're predicting for the last six years on the Cinderella, <laughs> I think I think it's going to come true in 22. But you, we always talk about stardom. The, one of the reasons why they do wrestling so well is because they keep it simple. And I woke up and I knew that it was going to take three or four days for this match to be on Stardom World. And I really wish they would do the New Japan thing where they would just, you know, you're, you're both owned by Bushi Road. You know, technology is fantastic, especially over in Japan. So I don't understand why they can't just do live shows, whatever. You know, it's, you know, small world problems. But I, I was like, <laughs> I need to go to Twitter because I just want to see how this happened. And that's the first thing I saw was she hits a Zoomy with the chair. And I was like, oh, Rob was right. And I said, well, let me text him first. To say, I'm not going to say, hey, man, you were right. I'm like, let me text you first and see if you saw it. And you're trying to avoid spoilers. But they do, Stardom does wrestling right by doing things simple. Mm. And that literally is so simple. We knew eventually that we knew that Momo was, was going to join. And we had all these theories. And we heard all these theories online. But I'm like, yeah, why wouldn't she get herself disqualified? That's what Oedo tie. literally, she's in Oedo tie for all of one second. What is the first thing she does? Is she whacks the referee with the chair. And then when he's down, she runs up and like soccer kicks him. Like I think even Shibata might have said, "Oh, I was a little stiff kid," you know, like, <laughs> like right to the right to the poor defenseless referee. It's just like, yeah, welcome to the group. But when I first saw the result, I kind of figured that what have happened was in the vein of like a way like a lot of these turns happen over here in America. Like we've seen it with the Steiner brothers. We've seen it constantly with the NWO in the '90s. Is the person turning really doesn't get involved in the match at all because, well, why, if I'm going to join this team or this group, why would I want to hurt them? So the first four or five minutes, like Momo really wasn't doing anything. And then once it got going, especially towards the end, like she, like her and Azumi, it was like 
their finest hour as a team, mm. especially like their stuff on stuff. I mean, she's killing people. And I'm sitting here like, cause I know the result. I'm like, did I, not, did I read this wrong? Like I'm literally watching this and I'm like, it looks like they're going to just bomb star like him. That's, that's basically what they did. Um, but uh, yeah, this, this was, this was very well done. Very well done. It was, it was added to so much by just utter silence. There was there was no reaction from that crowd whatsoever after it happened. It was stunned silence. And for Momo to be yelling this promo about how she's now the black peach of stardom and how, you know, she's their leader no more, screaming into the face of Azumi, who, and I said this to you, you know, you forget that Azumi is effectively still a child. And at this point, it's the only time I've ever viewed her as a child because she burst into tears. Her best friend has deserted and she doesn't understand why. You know, you're my best friend. Why have you turned your back on me? And I didn't... Looking back at Momo's career, there's some beautiful mirroring here of Momo's turn on Jungle Kiona and J.K. Green back in 2016 to join Queen's Quest in the first place. So to have her leave the unit five years later in the exact same way is tremendous. And let's face it, Momo's entire stoic character lends itself perfectly to being a heel anyway. And the turn makes sense. We, we, you've mentioned it before, Matt. We knew it was happening. We knew there was absolutely no way that they're going to have Starlight Kid join two different factions in the year and lose her mask, especially when she's just done this new photo book where she's got all her masks. It made no sense. However, to subvert that sort of predictability of the result by Momo taking her own fate into her own hands, you know, She's watched the likes of Utami and even Saya pass by as more and more people have questioned her position as the leader of the unit. To the point, in fact, where there was even an article on the Wrestling Observer Newsletter this time last year um, talking about Momo's omission from Wrestle Kingdom 15 because she was the only member of Queen's Quest that wasn't on those cards. And it was said in the newsletter that it was um, to do with the perception of her from Bushi Road and maybe even some of the fans. So to work that sort of jealousy and burning desire to prove herself into this storyline, taking what people think about her and actually making it almost a real-life angle, brilliant. I loved it. It adds such gravitas to the entirety of proceedings as well because, you know, you mentioned the NWO. One of the major things that killed the NWO was people were joining. Why? There was no justification for them joining. I mean, I use the Buff Bagwell Example, why did Buff Bagwell join the NWO? No reason was really given. Yeah, to save his contract, he wasn't going to get fired. It's not believable. Yet here, Momo's turn is completely justified. And it just worked so much. She's not been forced in like Goki and Death and by like Starlight Kid. She has chosen to do this. Her reasoning, absolutely sound. And this opens up just all sorts of feuds going into next year, Matt. Yeah, after, there's, there's so much. There's so much they can do. Not only that, but look at the tag matches you can have. You can have Momo teaming when Konami comes back. Can you imagine the two of them? I think eventually Konami, when she comes back, she's going to be a face. She's going to turn, and I think she's going to go to Queen's Quest, but that's another uh, theory for another day. But if she doesn't, you know, you have Konami and Momo, two killers, Starlight Kid uh, and Momo. And then, you know, here's a question I kind of want to raise. When uh, Tora comes back, is, who's the leader? To me, it's got to be Momo. To me, Momo's got to be the new leader. I would assume, 
Momo isn't going to leave a unit where she is the leader to then play second fiddle to Starlight Kid. So, yeah, or anybody else. Yeah, or, or anybody, anybody else. else. Unless what they do is they say, you know, there no, there's no need to have a leader in an ungoverned world or something like that. So, you know, it's... Ah, true, true, yeah. It's basically martial law. There is no one leader. We're all, you know, one big rabble, which, you know, it would certainly work because... The, here at the moment, you see Momo as higher than Starlight. Just uh, Starlight's done tremendous work. But when Tora comes back, you might then have some sort of power struggle when it comes to a weather tie. But how long Tora's out for, I still don't know. It was a pretty severe injury, so I'm assuming she's not going to be back till March, April time. But I thoroughly anticipate Momo. I I'll talk about that later because we're previewing the show, so I, I'll leave that for now. But the match itself, aside from the tremendous drama that is done in this match, the way it's done, the way it's set up, the fact that it's Azumi she turns on, not Utami, just it adds it adds so much more to it. It's a best friend. It's the youngest member of the group. You know, it's someone who she's known for years and years and years and years, even longer than she's known the likes of Utami. It just hits that note a bit more. And let's not take away from the match itself. The match itself was absolutely tremendous. That final stretch between Azumi and Kid, absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. And that moment where um, Kid hits the neckbreaker, then the moonsault, and then the Black Tiger Pile Driver, you're like, well, that's it. There's no way she's kicking out of that. And then Azumi, literally the last possible second. And then obviously that's when fucking Pandemonium breaks loose. But even so, the match itself, even without the drama, was a really, really, really good match. Well, we were trying to figure out what's going to happen to you, Tommy. And you're like, and I thought it'd be a count out. And I forgot, or maybe I didn't do my research, that you can be eliminated by over the top rope. So you, Tommy, Konami, you're gone. Like, I mean, it's like, okay, you know, she's the champ. She's, but she's almost an afterthought in this match. I mean, let's call it like we see it. Obviously, she's the focal point for stardom throughout the entire year. But she's the focal point of this match. Even in the entrance, the last one to come out was Momo. The last one to come, and their, their entrance was, you know, I talked about the entrances before about Cosmic Angels with the dancing, but like their entrance was fantastic. They came out all with their different colored masks, all, you know, with the Queen, Momo's got the Queen Quest flag. As because you know, this is going to be their last stand. It's just heartbreaking. You're watching like, oh, this is like, this group, if they got back together in like two years, like the four of them, it would be, it would be massive. And maybe that's something that they can do. Again, that's another theory for another day. But, yeah, you get rid of Utami and Konami, you know, right off the rip, and it's a double over-the-top of elimination. You know, it doesn't hurt either of them. And then it's quickly a three-on-two with um, tie over uh, Queen's Quest because uh, Saki rolls up uh, Saya, which if Saya... Now, this sets something else up in the future. If Saya wins the white belt at the end of the year, that might be her first challenger. So it's just like, you know, that you can very easily set that up and that'd be something good for her because she really hasn't been pushed much. So now the fact that she may get a white belt title shot somewhere in January, February, that's good. But like, to me, the match really, really picked up once it was like three on two, because I think I text you as, uh, as it was going, Azumi was just going a hundred miles an hour. We're doing so much stuff and it was just elimination. She had a do- uh, she had the Azumi sushi like twice. It was almost like twice. It was like a double rollover. She had a submission. And then, again, like, I thought it was like Momo and Azumi's, you know, they really saved their best for last. Out of all the tag matches I saw and all the tag stuff that they did, 
their double team stuff on the Starlight Kid was bomb after bomb after after bomb. Um, and then of course uh, Momo hits the uh, uh, the uh, Peach Sunrise, and then uh, and then the the ref gets pulled, and then you're just like, oh, now here, you know, something's gonna happen here, something's gonna happen here, and then the Zumi hits the uh, apparent of uh, the missed kick, hits Momo in the head. And I'm like, oh, that's when it's gonna happen, and then you know from there, heartbreak just ensues. Yeah, absolutely horrendous. <laughs> it it really is, and that's how you know an angle's done well when you feel it. You're you're there with them. Um, and Momo fits the mold of Obi the time perfectly, and it's the rejuvenation her career has desperately needed since last year. So, yeah, massive, massive props to Stardom. They did a tremendous job here. Um, before we go to the final and the ladder match, is there anything else you want to add about that match, Matt? Any other burning sort of conspiracy theory or any other grow- glowing praise you want to give to anyone? It's just two quick small things is one, it's just like you kind of want to know, you know, from a kayfabe standpoint, when was Momo going to turn? Because she's like crushing people left and right. So maybe it was the apparent kick. Maybe it's like when she got the Oida Tai chair thrown in her face. Like, is that like, you know, that's my kind of like my only maybe nitpick about the match. But kind of the way, you know, they're booking Momo. It reminds me a lot, and I'm I'm gonna you know this is kind of be a, a deep grabber. It reminds me of the way that Bill Watts uh, was booking Butch Reed back in the '80s, where Butch was the number two babyface and Junkyard Dog was the number one babyface, and they really didn't have anybody on the heel side. And Butch Reed wanted to get to that number one spot, and they said, "Well, you're gonna have to turn. You're gonna have to turn and turn on the Junkyard Dog," and that's what he did. And they had this legendary feud that I think made Bill Watts more money than any feud. Uh, in Mid South, and then obviously Junkyard Dog winds up leaving to go up to to Vince, you know, eighty seven, eighty eight, or or whatever. And then um, no, I'm sorry, it's probably eighty five, eighty six. And then there was really nothing for Butch to, Reed to do. And then after a year and a half or so as a heel, they turned him back babyface. Mm. I think that's maybe something that they could do with Momo. Now I know it's she just turned heel. I get it. But that uh, when Utami grabs the mic, it's 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 kind of like you can tell now. Okay, Utami, she's. He's clearly the uh, the captain of Queen's Quest now. Here it is. This is heartbreaking moment. They're beating him down. You know, they're it's nine on three beat down or whatever it is. And the Utami just gets up and grabs the microphone over Momo, saying, "Uh-uh, no way." And she said something along the lines of, "Like, you know, are you blind? Like, do you have any idea what's going on? You're not in your right mind." Or maybe this is something in a year and a half, two years, where eventually she turns back and goes to Queen's Quest. And I think that's maybe something that they're going to do with Starlight Kid. You know, to go back to uh, to Mayu as well. I think it's like there's like this evil curse in Oedo Tai, and I think somebody's eventually going to break the curse, and you're going to see these these baby faces. You know, I I wouldn't do it for another year or two, but I wouldn't be shocked if you would see Starlight Kid flip back to uh, to Babyface and uh, Momo go back after she has this great heel run. Go back to Queen's Quest. I think that's what's going to happen. It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see if Azumi forgives her as well. Hmm. Hey, it's wrestling. We, we we all forgive. That is true. Forgive and forget. <laughs> um, by the way, props on the deep cut there. Did not think that was where we were going with that. Bill Watts. I was like, Jesus. That that's it. That's some impressive eighties knowledge right there. Yeah, I, like I said, I've I've watched a, a match or two in my day, but that's literally <laughs> what what I was thinking. What they were doing with Momo I was like, I just remember this Butch Reed interview that I saw a couple years ago, where he's like, he couldn't get that number one spot, and they're like, "Hey, let's flip him." And then once JYD goes goes, you know, to greener pastures, it's like, well, we need 
you know, somebody on the other side, I'm like, oh, we'll just flip, uh, uh, flip uh, Butch back. So I think that's eventually what's going to happen with Momo. And it'd be cool. Like, you know, I think obviously we'll, we'll get into it later, but I think eventually you put the belt on Momo. I, for some reason, she just couldn't get that top spot when she was, you know, the baby face. I think she'll get it as a heel. And then obviously, you know, two, anything can happen in two years, but two, in, you know, maybe a year and a half, two years, if she decides to flip back, I think then you can kind of, make her the, the 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 top person there but again that kind of you know that remains to be seen we'll we'll see what happens absolutely deep cuts from the 80s guys we've got them um main event then was the first ever stardom ladder match it was the final of the artist of stardom championship and 10 million yen unit tournament with the donna del mondo team of himika micro natsupoy defeating the stars team of mayu hazuki and kogama in 18 minutes and 42 seconds. Now, just something from my standpoint, um, and this is where having a professional wrestler on the podcast really helps. Um, what goes in? What goes into organizing or setting up a ladder match, Matt? How is it? How is it different to setting up um, an ordinary match? Is there? Are there certain things that you plan out? Is it just the spots and then you go, do you know what, we'll just fill in the blanks later? Or is it very meticulous in, right, we do this, 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 then we go home? You have to plan pretty much everything out A to Z. I've only had a handful of ladder matches and they were all like tags, triple threat tags like this. So I never had a singles ladder match where it's like you can have time to breathe. And the good thing about this is, and if you go back and rewatch this and probably once I say it, it's probably, it might, you know, make sense is you do like one move off the ladder and then you can kind of sell. So you kind of only really need to remember as an individual, a D maybe X and Z really, because then everybody else kind of fills in. Mm. So obviously you take a lot more risk in this match, but you may only have to remember to do five or six things. Like Kogma was like, she did, she don't get wrong. She did a lot, but her big thing was that insane dive off almost the top of the building into that, like every member of the, the roster. height she got man was phenomenal she seemed to yeah, disappear that, into the roof it was ridiculous yeah that was literally my daughter walked into the room and i said watch this and she goes dad that, that girl's way too high up and i was like well <laughs> you, you can't that's one thing you don't want to do not let like it's part of your gimmick like your gimmick is you're afraid of heights is you're going to go up the top I'm like no i'm not you know that could literally ruin your career if you get back down. Like, she's got to jump <laughs> she's got to jump. I mean, and, and, and props to everybody else in the match to catch her i mean obviously that was it was crazy but that was a uh <laughs> that was i mean that was probably the bravest spot but like the craziest spot was Myers moonsault off the Holy ladder. Holy shit. For her, not only oh, that, but like the ladder was like propped up in the corner for her to not only hit that, but to hit it safe. Like it's Myers moonsaults are so good and they look safe. Like EO has like maybe one of the best looking moonsaults ever, but God bless her. I'm the biggest EO Shirai fan. Sometimes she doesn't hit it hundred percent safe. Sometimes she's landing on legs. Sometimes her knees are coming down on people's faces. It's, but Mayu's moonsaults always seem to be safe. I saw her going off the ladder. I'm like, well, she's she's probably not going to hit this. Stick the landing as well as she does. And sure enough, she did. So it's just like not only is she just being absolutely crazy, but she's keeping her opponent safe as well, which in any type of match is always, you know, big, especially when you're in the main event following that angle and you have six people in a, the first ever laddered match. So uh, there was that. And then the superplex that Mayu took, that thud. When she hit the mat, I was like, 
Oh, oh my goodness. We knew she was going to do some insane stuff. And, you know, we were, it wasn't much of a, you know, a, a, a prediction we were going to kind of throw out there. Like, oh, you know, I think Amelia, was, I think it was kind of a safe bet. Of course, you know, she she lived up to uh, to the name of the ace and the uh, the icon of stardom in this match for sure. Definitely. Um, something else, like, I didn't realize until the match started that um, you could still get uh, eliminations um, obviously via pinfall, which uh, Mike was eliminated after the the moonsault from Mayu, which even that she didn't she didn't do it the easy way because, like you mentioned, Matt, they put the ladder up vertically against the turnbuckle pads, so to hit it with the precision she did was absolutely incredible. Um, but it made all of these big moves make sense because I love a ladder match. I love a ladder match. Money in the bank one of the matches I look forward to most. But we've got to a point now where people do spots for spots' sake. Um, and Jeff Hardy, fantastic wrestler. But you were just waiting for him to do the big spot. And there's no rhyme or reason because it takes him out of the match. However, here, they are performing big moves to eliminate someone from the match. And because there's only one ladder in the ring as opposed to the litany we get to um, in Western wrestling, we don't miss anything which I thought was also really, really, really important. The ladder wasn't used a ridiculous amount. They didn't think, right, well, this is the first ladder match, so we're going to, you know, hit every single move off the ladder. It was used sparingly, which meant that those big moments, you know, the moonsault, the phenomenal crossbody from Kagama, even the assisted dropkick on Micah into the ladder, um, all these things hit with a little bit more gravitas simply because it wasn't used with every single move. In fact, the referee was getting, if it wasn't propped up, the referee was getting rid of it out of the ring, which I thought was actually really, really good. Oh, yeah, you know, I didn't even notice that, that the ref was getting that out. So that's, a, that's a good pull, my friend. Yeah, it, it makes the stakes a little bit more that the fact that there was pinfalls. And again, you know, we, I always talk about how I, I do my homework and I know you do your homework times 10. But the fact that, like, when I turned it on, I'm like, oh, there's eliminations? How did the two of us not see that? Like, how did we miss nope. that? I mean, <laughs> I'm sure it wasn't mentioned. Um, I, or whether I just sort of glossed over it with the fact that it was a wrestling, uh, sorry, a ladder match. I just assumed that it was just your, your standard ladder match. But quite honestly, I thought the eliminations added to it. The fact that it was Micah eliminated and Natsupoy and Himika had to put aside their differences to, you know, eventually get that briefcase. And I say eventually because it took Natsupoy a decade and a half to get it off the damn thing. Um, and I do feel for her as well because uh, it must be slippy as anything. But um, yeah, to have Himika put Natsupoy on her shoulders to get up to the briefcase, showing that solidarity and putting to putting to rest that uh, that feud, that mini feud that they've been having is is excellent. Um, speaking of Himika, one of my favorite moments from this, and it's it's not necessarily one of the biggest spots, but it's something that I loved was uh, the backdrop suplex that Himika hit off the ladder on Hazuki. I thought that looked tremendous. Looked really, really, really brutal. Um, but yeah, genuinely, I mean, that superplex, how... Uh, this is going to sound really stupid now, Matt. And please tell me if I'm being stupid. Like, I know it hurts. I know it hurts. But, you know, there is at least a little bit of padding under the ring. Like, how much does that hurt taking something like that? I have the superplex is, is normally in my uh, repertoire of uh, offensive maneuvers. I've probably done it. I don't know. And I may be lowballing here about a hundred times. Okay. Obviously some, some people don't want to take it. Uh, I'm as safe as I can be, but yeah, there is, 
it stings. It, it, it stings a lot of it, though, is adrenaline. Because a lot of times you'll be on the top rope and you'll kind of just wait, wait, wait. And then sometimes I'll, I'll get into a little bit of a brawl with somebody on the, on the top rope. So what happens there is then you get the crowd to come up a little and you get that extra shot of adrenaline. So you'll get that thud, but it quickly, quickly goes away because you have that adrenaline. And then, of course, an hour or so later, the adrenaline wears off and you hope to be home with a beer in your hand. But uh, <laughs> anywho, yeah, it, uh, it, 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 hurt. it, it hurts. Uh, the adrenaline thing definitely helps, especially, I mean, they definitely got a huge pop from that. And the fact that, you know, obviously Mayu Itani is absolutely insane. So, uh, again, uh, it's it's a spot that I absolutely love to do and I will be doing, you know, for forever and a day as long as I as I can. But it's uh, <laughs> it's uh, you know, what's what's the phrase I'm looking for? The good definitely outweighs the bad on it. But I've never done one from that high. Will I try it someday? Probably. Yeah, why not? <laughs> <laughs> we'll call it the Mayu. Why not? Um, yeah. Just a face. I mean, half of it, obviously, the thuds, like you said, was just, oh, it was horrendous. But also the selling in Mayu's face, just that sort of glassy-eyed sort of half sit up and then collapse. Just tremendous. I would fully invest in this match. Ultimately, I know we both predicted that stars were going to come out of this as the victor and sort of play on that um, Himika and Natsupoi storyline. But I think the way they patched things up, they apologized after the match and everything seems fine in DDM. I thought that was a nice way to sort of finish off the pay-per-view, you know, with that sort of reconciliation and Natsupoi having proved herself to Himika. You know, I'm not weak. I can do this. I thought that was a really good way to end the show. And then, of course, we had um, Unagi come out and they've turned their what was effectively just a random six-woman uh, six tag. They've turned that into a Artist of Stardom Championship defense for DDM. So that will now be um, Mike and Natsupoi and Himika against Unagi, uh, Mina, and Mei Sakurai because, obviously, um, Tam is in a match with Sayak Kamatani. In regard to the ladder match, um, we have got a question on our Discord, a couple of questions on our Discord. Um, Velkage, they're both from Velkage. He's asked, when Himika got to the top, did you half expect her to powerbomb Natsupoy off the ladder? And genuinely, there was a moment where I was like, will she? No, surely not. But then when she got her on the shoulders, um, I didn't really think much about it. And then finally, a specific question to you, Matt. He'd like to ask about the ladder match structure and if you like the usage of the ladder, um, how you would compare it to other matches you've seen of the same ilk, basically. Um, yeah, did they do well in their first match and was the ladder used well, basically? Yeah, absolutely. It wasn't It wasn't overused. Obviously, there's been so many ladder matches. Everybody always you know, goes back to that Shawn Michaels, Razor Ramon one from WrestleMania 10 at the Garden because that was kind of the one that kind of kicked everything off. But over the years, they just get crazier and crazier, crazier. Even on these independent shows I see, I just, just, it gets absolutely insane, you know, adding tables and thumbtacks and glass and all this other stuff. But yeah, it wasn't overused. Clearly, I mean, they can do it again. Um, hopefully, it's not overused, kind of like how WWE does with the Hell in the Cell, where there's an actual whole pay per view. Um, obviously, this was the first ladder match. I thought everything was done well. And again, it added that wrinkle with the, hey, pinfalls count. So it's like, hey, you know, if we can't get to the briefcase, let's try to, you know, get some eliminations going here. So this way we'll have a three-on-one advantage or a three-on-two advantage or two-on-one advantage. So I thought that was a very nice wrinkle. And everybody looked good. Everybody looked good in this match. And, you know, we, we talked about last week, we were previewing the show. We thought that there was going to be some more cracks in DDM. 
and there was going to be a possible turn. But again, Stardom does things simple. If you think about it, it makes perfect sense why they didn't do it. You just had a ginormous turn in the last match. Why would you do two, not only on one show, but back to back like that? Hmm. So it was like, when I, you know, when I saw the result, I was like, oh, yeah, that that makes sense. Why would you have Momo turn and then have somebody else turn literally back to back like that? It would completely take away from one or the other. And it seems like, you know, the first thing Natsupoy did, Natsupoy gets the win. So she easily could have said, hey, you know, I got the win for the team. You should be apologizing to me. But the first thing she did is he grabbed the microphone and she apologized. So it seemed like they, uh, you know, they patched things up for now. One thing I do just want to point out about the um, the difference between this and a WWE ladder match. Um, they seem to be taking safety to another level. Like every time someone got to the top of the ladder, there was someone there with them to make sure they were all right. I don't know if you noticed it, but the first time that people went to the top of the ladder, Hazuki and Kogama got to the bottom of the ladder to keep it steady. You know, when Mayu's doing the moonsault, someone's holding the ladder. You've got Himika holding on to Natsupoi, she's going for the briefcase. And I thought it was nice to see that, you know, that safety was being taken uh, into account. I just hope now, and my my one thing coming out of this match that's even close to being a negative because this is a phenomenal match. If we were throwing stars out, I'd give it four and a half easy. Um, I just hope we don't now get a spate of ladder matches. Keep it special. Okay. Yep. Absolutely. I mean, just in the young bucks repertoire, we get at least four a year. So we don't need any more ladder matches. Keep it sacred, sacrosanct. Keep it, you know, as the one, at least for a while. I mean, look at the hair versus hair stipulation. You know, it's happened once in stardom. That's all we want. So let's do it like that. Um, yeah. So- one quick thing I want to point out. I noticed it at the beginning of this match. I noticed when uh, you told me to go back and watch Utami versus Suzuki. Mm. And I watched Suzuki versus uh, Rissa for the white belt. Have you noticed that whenever, you know, whenever they do a title match, they do the picture with Rasio Gawa holds the belt and then the competitors come up you know, yeah. kind of take the picture. I've noticed <laughs> this is just, this is just a little quirk that makes me like Hazuki even more. Hazuki <laughs> gently puts her elbow yes, on Rossi's shoulder this. and she flicks her hair back as if she's the hot girl at the bar. Yeah. And, and Rossi Ogawa is like the 60, 65 year old rich guy that's sitting there by himself drinking $10 <laughs> drink whiskey. And she just wants her bar tab paid. That's what to me looks like. I was sitting there going, I kind of like I noticed it in the like I went back and watched the Utami match last week and then uh, a couple things and then I was like, oh she she did she did it again. I wonder if she did that in every title match she's had where she kind of just like, hey, what's going on? What are you drinking there? Proper pro- proper number twelve? Yeah, hey, I got a fifty dollar bar tab. You might put that on your card there, uh, old timer. <laughs> I'm not going to be able to unsee that now. <laughs> just every time Azuki goes near Rossi, I'm just going to be hearing, do you want to pay my tab? Just whispering it in his ear. Great stuff. Um, <laughs> one thing She's I, the best. She is. She's absolutely fantastic. There was, a, there was another couple of moments that really tickled me as well. At the start, um, we talked about Micah and just her obvious lack of enjoyment of the dance. She dropped her Morris dancing cloth and just she just looked like she wanted to curl up and die. And then Mayu attempting to count all the money in the brief second they saw it in the briefcase was also quite funny. Um, just because it's typical Mayu just sort of going, trying to count a ridiculous amount of money in her head just made me giggle. Um, in terms of Poi, I know that obviously you've put Nats Poi over big. We've got another question uh, from our Discord. Seda Tiger, who is a huge Nats Poi fan. Is Nats Poi your favorite in Donna Del Mundo? No, I'll go Siri, Julia, then Poi. She would be the bronze medalist. 
the bronze medalist. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, where did she sit for me? I think she's third for me as well, probably behind Julia and Suri. Suri. Yes. So yeah. you've got, who, who, who do you have won? Do you oh, have Julia? Don't, don't do this to me. Um, <laughs> uh, I was like, Suri, because she's the MMA. She's like the, she's like a female Shibata. Yeah. So that's, that's why I'm big into the, uh, the, the, the if, when it's done right, like the MMA influence, like Kyle O'Reilly, obviously, or Rissa did it phenomenal. And Siri does it really well as well. I'm going to go Julia for the reason that for anyone that is listening to this podcast, you know, from the start will know just how much I didn't get and didn't like Julia to start off with. Me and Chris were really quite hard on it. And then I don't know what it was or when it was, but something just clicked and she just grew from strength to strength. And her first part of 2021, aside from the Torah match, was absolutely phenomenal. Was absolutely just incredible. Her match with Starlight Kid from February is still one of my favorite matches of the year. So the fact that she's grown that, whereas I've always liked Suri, but the fact that Julia has grown on me that much and has done that much work, and then she's gone from doing the work with the white belt to doing that great stuff with ALK. I think she sits at number one. And again, anyone listening to this who's listened to the podcast for a long time, having Julia at number one in DDM is uh, is a big thing for me. Do you know what? Actually, no, I think Poi's fourth. I think Mike. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're really big on Mike. I am really, big on Mike. I thought you were gonna put. I thought you were gonna put her one or two. I really did. I thought that's you're gonna go with that. Well, going back to what you just said about Julia, that just goes to show you all the hard work that she's put in. You know, in her character, uh, in her look. Uh, in the ring, I mean, she has come, you know, a long way, real far. And again, you know, we talked about this last uh, last podcast. I think she's winning. You know, it's way too early prediction, but I think she's winning the five star. And at the end of the year, she's going to be holding the the red belt. Well, hold on to that thought because we have a question on that exact same point. So uh, we'll come on to that in a second. The last couple of things that we want to talk about very briefly before we go into those last few questions is we're going to preview the year-end climax show, which will take place on Christmas Day. Um, obviously, we're not going to be reviewing it on Christmas Day, but we'll be getting that out to you sharpish or as soon as we can. Um, Corican Hall, um, and this is the card. So we open with a nice little three-way um, match between Fukin Death, Mina Shirakawa, and Hannon. Um, just stop me at any point, Matt, if there's a match that interests you. We've then got a tag match between uh, the team of Lady C and Himika, and then the Awida Tai team of Rina and Ruaka. We've then got a six-woman tag uh, between the Stars team of Mayu Iwatani, Kogama and Hazuki, and the uh, Cosmic Angels team of Tam Nakano, Wakasukiyama, and Mei Sakurai. In terms of that match... It's hard to look at that Cosmic Angels team that have got both rookies in and think, uh, they're, they're, they're eating the pin, aren't they? Um, but the Eskal, any chance I've got to see Hazuki versus Tam and Mayu versus Tam, I'm certainly not complaining. Let's put it that way. Um, no, and I think I think Koguma and uh, Mayu will have a really good exchange as well. Mm. Absolutely. I'm sorry. Uh, Waka. I'm sorry. Waka. Waka. Because I told yeah. you, I was think that she, she should go into the high speed division uh, relatively soon. So I think that uh, you're going to see a good exchange between the two of them. But obviously, everything's going to be overshadowed by what you just said, Hazuki and Tam, and obviously Tam and Mayu. We've then got our semi main event, which is uh, Konami's second to last match, her last in Corrigan Hall, at least for now. Um, she is teaming with Suri 
and she is facing the team of Micah and Yunagi Sayaka. That team came about because both Yunagi and Micah wanted to face Konami before she left, but Konami had already said that she wanted to team with Suri, so said, you can face me, but you're going to have to team up and face me and Suri. I am just really excited about this match because I can't wait to see the chemistry between Suri and Konami when they are on the same team. I think that could be... If they give this 15 minutes, this could be a real, real barnstormer. Yeah, especially for how good Yunagi's... You know, you have heavy hitters in there, and Yunagi's just been... I I keep putting over her forearms. I'm a big forearm guy, obviously a big Misawa fan. So her forearms, the way she's throwing them, the way she works them, the way she sells them, the way she builds them... And then you just have, you know, obviously the other team, two just killers in uh, Konami's area. This, yeah, this one could be, you know, you mean, me and you talk, texting back and forth about hidden gems. This might be, as you know, as we wind down the year, one of the bigger hidden gems of uh, stardom in 2021. Absolutely. And don't forget, obviously, you've got Suri and Micah who are part of the same unit and have fantastic chemistry as proved by their five-star match. So I am very, very excited for that. And then, of course, the match that everyone is talking about, the main event of year-end climax, which this show is already sold out. Um, Really? This show is already sold out. 725, which I think is the sellout for uh, Corican Hall under, uh, under COVID restrictions. But I believe it is... It's sold out on the basis of this match, just to give you some indication of how well this turn has gone, how well Stardom and marketed this turn. It's a six-woman tag, Queen's Quest, Azumi, Sayakamatani, and Yutami Hayashista against the Oida Tai team of Momo Watanabe, Starlight Kid, and Saki Kashima. Obviously, the Stardom cast wards are around the corner, and it's not the be-all and end-all. They're extremely prestigious, having only happened once, but... This could be a contender for tag team of the tag team match of the year because you take any single one of those um Queen's Quest members and put them in the ring with Momo. Holy shit, there's gonna be fireworks. Yeah, especially with coming off the angle. Especially coming exactly. off the angles. Yeah. So you wonder where they go. You wonder kind of what happens here. Obviously, I think Momo's gotta get the pin here, but at the same time. You're four days away. You're building the Utami Siri matchup, and I texted you this the other day. Is there too much for Utami to do this, this turn? This, you know, they're building really pretty much since the five star. They're building towards Siri and Utami on the 29th. But now you, I think you've kind of taken away some of the steam from that match with the Momo turn because now it's like if you were to say, well, what match would you rather see first, Siri Utami or Momo and Utami? I think you might get a 60-40 split, you know, coming off the angle that people would rather see Momo and Yutami first uh, because, you know, personal issues are things that sell tickets the most. And that's about as personal as you get in 2021 in any promotion. So, uh, you know, so you kind of have Momo, Yutami. Obviously, we're getting Yutami and Siri. And, we, you know, I was looking at my notes when we got off the podcast last week. I forgot. We completely forgot to mention when Yutami came to the ring at the Tokyo Super Wars, she took a rose and she threw it at Julia. So it's like, okay, you know, we're kind of putting the footprints there. So Utami kind of has a lot going on towards the end of the year and beginning of this year, which, again, it, it obviously is a good thing. You know, she's obviously their, their golden goose in this golden year that Stardom's having in 21. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Uh, and, again, yeah, this match is going to be absolute fire. But, I mean, who knows? Rassi Ogawa loves his draws. So maybe that's what oh, they go Jesus. with this one as well. <laughs> if it goes to a draw, I'm going to get a nasty text message. <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, you asshole. It would not surprise me, but horrible as it sounds, Saki has eaten a lot of pins this year, so it wouldn't surprise me if it's Saki. But I mean, Momo has literally just turned. It would be a fantastic moment if she pinned Azumi again. She's gonna, she's gonna pin Azumi. That's that's either she pins Azumi or Utami just to get a little more steam. Uh, gets a pinfall over anybody but Momo, but I I don't think he beat Starlight Kid either because I mean it's, it's almost like Starlight Kid was the whole puppet master mm. uh, pulling the pulling the Momo strings as well. So I mean that's a whole another wrinkle in Starlight Kid's game that she added to herself in twenty one. So a lot of things can happen here, but I think I think Momo pins Azumi because I don't think you pin Utami. You know she's going into the main event and you don't pin Saya because she's going into the co-main event. Mm. Just going off what you said about. Um how this affects Utami. You know, maybe it is going to take a little bit of the heat off the rematch. However, you can then add that as just an extra extra little wrinkle in that story. You know, is Utami going to be able to focus on Suri with all this stuff, that all this upset that has gone on so close to home with effectively her sister leaving to join a rival faction and, you know, turning her back and beating up a friend and whatever. You can then play on that. You know, it doesn't have to be a big thing, but, you know, if she makes mistakes in the Suri match, oh, is that because, you know, she's thinking about Momo? So they might not. Um, it, I think there's a couple of things they could do with it. Um, I personally, well, no, we'll go we'll go into what I think when we uh, when we look at that question of uh, early predictions for 2022. Um, but in terms of this card, the year end climax card, it's a solid card, but that main event and that semi main that main event especially though is so tasty i i can't wait for that match the the drama and the emotion that is going to fuel every single exchange in that match is going to be phenomenal and i'm very 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 excited we then move on to sort of the main event now as we uh, closing on the end of 2021 which is Stardom Dream Queendom from Sumo Hall um and the full card has been announced we very briefly went through this last week but we're going to have a look a little bit more at the title matches and the like so this opens the 29th of December is open with a five way which sees uh, Lady C versus uh, Wakasukiyama versus Saki Kashima versus Fukikan Death versus Rina um I know who I think is going to win this, Matt. Um, and unfortunately, it's a clown. But no, I disagree. I'm going to say it's Lady C. I, I'm going to say it's Lady C, sir. Wow, that, I think, that is I a think bold claim. I, I, if I was at a bar with you, sir, I would bet you would drink on it. I would bet wow. you drink. I think Lady. I think Lady C's getting getting the win on this one because just the, just because they're kind of even though in a losing effort. Well, she got a win last week, but. They're kind of pushing her towards DDM. She looked really good at towards the tail end of that match with Siri. Yeah. And, uh, you know, she's been teaming with Mayu. I think Lady C is going to get the win here. And I think this is going to be the start of her kind of, you know, she's eaten 80 falls this year. So I think you ended, you end her run here on a high note. I think she gets the win here. I'm, I'm 70% confident that she's, uh, she wins. <laughs> she wins. Here. Okay. That that's brave. That's bold. Um, I mean, you talked about, like, that was like, that was my college GPA, by the way, like 70, 71. <laughs> nice. I like it. <laughs> um, she's she's at 89 losses this year. Um, she's had 91 matches. She's won two, lost 89, and drawn none. So uh, it's a bold claim, but I suppose this is the perfect time to do it in 
a low stakes match with you know the likes of Wacker in there, Rena in there. It could happen. Um, it's sad that Saki is in this match, and neither of us have said that she's going to win it. Um, but she's had such a a pretty mixed year. <laughs> she's in the main event at the Christmas show. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And uh, here right. we're like, oh, I don't know if she'll get past Wakasukiyama. Jesus, uh, <laughs> right. Wow. So you think it's going to be Lady C? I yeah. I've just got a feeling Go that it's going to be the clown ruining everything for everyone. So we'll see. We'll see. It's uh, it'll be an interesting matchup, even if uh, even if not blow away. We then go into the first title match of the show, which I assume I assume the five uh, the five way will be the pre show match, and this will open the show, which will be Ruaka defending her future of stardom title against Hannon. Um, I think Ruaka has done really good work with this future belt. Um, I think she's done really good work throughout the year, to be perfectly honest, since her turn in February. But I think Hannon's taking this. Ooh, this is kind of a, a co- toss of the coin for me. I'm going to say Ruaka wins, but I think eventually Hannon's going to get it maybe somewhere in the beginning of next year. But uh, I'm I'm going to slightly disagree with you, but I would not be shocked. I I will go one step further and say that this will probably be one of the future of Stardom Championship matches of the year. Um, in fact, no, wow. I'm going to say the future of Stardom Championship match of the year because Hannon given the stage and given the chance, I mean, they're probably going to get, what, seven minutes, maybe eight? They're not going to get a lot. Sure. But Yeah, especially because that, that main event, you know, I think the last two matches are going to go long. You know, that main event's going to go long. So you're going to see these first three or four matches are going to be really short on time. That main event, they've, they've made a big thing about it having no time limit. So to say it's got no time limit and then only have the match go 23 minutes, doesn't really make much sense, does it? <laughs> it seems very much like stardom going strap in. It's going to be a long one, guys. Um, but yeah, I, I just think Hannon will be the perfect person to carry on that sort of where Sayurida basically left off. Because I think Sayurida did very good work before she went off injured. You know, she was wrestling people from seedling um, and things like that. I think that could be a way to go. And I think Ruaka as well... <sighs> I'd like to see Ruaka move past this now and then go on to sort of artist and goddess of stardom tag, sort of that sort of ilk. But we'll see. We'll see. Knowing my luck, my predictions are shocking, so Ruaka will win in three minutes. Um, we've then got the... <laughs> we've then got the high-speed three-way um, between Starlight Kid, the champion, defending against both Azumi and Koguma. Um Kogama sort of forcing her way into the rematch we all wanted, uh, very much like Daniel Bryan earlier on in the year with the WrestleMania main event. Um, but yeah, I'm. Oh, I think Starlight Kid retains here. I tell you what, after this this show we just reviewed, all three of these stocks shot up. You know, Starlight Kid pulled the strings, mm-hmm. and I did, and go wrong, look great at the tail end of the of the match, and she's the champion going in. Kagama did the insane dive off the ladder. So it's like, you're interested in she's, she's there. And now this match is a completely different wrinkle on it because you have kind of the puppet master, and the person that she pulled the strings on the most was Azumi. Mm-hmm. So now it's just like, so now it's like Azumi is going to go in there and she's going to be like an ultra, ultra kill mode. So this is, it's tough. I mean, I think Kagama's eating the pinfall here, regardless of who it is. 
but I think it's going to be a zoomy just because I think the end of the show is you're going to see uh, Queen's Quest. You know, I'm tipping my, my hand here. What, what my predictions <laughs> are, I think you're going to see all three members uh, with belts at the end to kind of give everybody that happy ending after the uh, the heartbreak <laughs> we had and the, uh, the Oedo Tai Queen's Quest uh, Captain's Fall match. But I'm going to say Azumi wins this one, but I would not be shocked uh, to see Starlight Kid retains just because she's just on, on an absolute roll. Absolute roll. But I think I think she loses the match here. She doesn't eat the pinfall. And I think they move her up to, uh, to the Wonder of Stardom division. Wouldn't surprise me. Um... I think Ogamura is in here as a pen eater. Um, and it, yeah. it does save both Azumi and Starlight. There's a lot of history between Starlight and Azumi. So I'm so I wonder if they are saving I don't know where they'd be saving that rematch for. I mean it's Sumo Hall. But if Starlight retains here, Azumi will take it in a one on one match later on in the year. Um oh, you've you've oh, you've taught me out of it. No, do you know what? I'm going to stick to my convictions. I think Starlight Kid takes it. I think Azumi will do all the work. We'll have Kogama ready for the pin, and Starlight will steal it. And it'll just kind be like a, did. exactly yeah, like, like I started with Momo. Momo. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's a, that's a good pick. That's a good good theory, but we'll find out. We'll we find will. Out. We will. And that brings on to another tag match, another title match, which has now officially been made an artist of Stardom Championship match with the champions, Mahimi Poi, taking on the Cosmic Angels team of Yunagi, Mina Shirakawa, and Mei Sakurai. I think I speak for both of us as saying this is a DDM retention, right? Yeah, they just patched things up, and it's just going to be interesting to see, without the leader, without Tam, the dance off. This is what you know. Somebody asked us earlier <laughs> with the, the dance off. Like I, I still think Cosmic Angels win the dance off without without Tam. But uh, yeah, this should be a good match. But yeah, it's uh, the first one we're going to agree on. But this is going to be a DDM retain. Yeah, I'd be very, I'd be very, very surprised. Had you know, you've just had DDM talk about trying to break the um, defense record, the defense record, by the way, that was set by Cosmic Angels earlier this year. So it's got an added little bit of spice there. You've just had the angle where Himika and Natsupoi have patched everything up. It it makes sense for them to win here. But it'll, I'm sure it'll be a good match, hopefully. And I don't mean this to sound horrible because May stands out like a sore thumb in this match. Hopefully being in the ring with the likes of Poi, Mika, Himika it's going to rub off and we'll see a little bit of progression there or they'll hide her in the match. One of the two. Um, yeah. And then. Yeah. She'll, she'll eat the pen. Yeah. Oh, 100%. 100%. <laughs> 100% she is in there. For I, that. Was actually, I was actually, I was actually paused. That's why there, there was no talk. I thought that's what you were going to say. I was like, oh, oh, right, okay. say <laughs> <laughs> Give you the move, brother. <laughs> um, we then got our, Singles match with the Konami's last match and Julia's return match. Um, who'd you have for this? I mean, it's got to be Julia, right? Because she's coming back. Konami's going. I mean, I guess depending on. Do we know how long Konami's out for? Or why she's why she's even leaving? Can't be injury because she's she's been doing so well in the ring. Did they ever make an announcement of like how long they think she's going to be out for? Um, it's not been announced. It's been announced that it's personal health. So I know that obviously she was in hospital twice in early November and late October with um, enteritis. So whether it's an extension of that or whether it's just an amalgamation of niggling injuries and stuff like that, I don't know. But it's an indefinite amount of time. She has said, you know, 
I will be coming back. But, you know, she might retire here and think, do you know what? Actually, I feel so much better having retired. She might never come back. Who knows? Um, obviously, I hope to God she does because Konami is fantastic. But I am completely in agreement with you. It's Julia's return match. She hasn't wrestled since midway through the five-star. So she's going to be the one that's sticking around. She's going to be the one that's going to be elevated into the main event next year. So makes perfect sense for Julia's year to start here. Yeah, absolutely. And this should be an absolute banger. My only concern is, again, you have two more matches after this. It's just you wonder what's the time going to be. My only concern is they only get like 12 or 13 minutes where I'd like to see it go 15, 16. But regardless, I think if you gave them seven or eight, it'd still be really good. So, yeah, this is... I mean, you look at these top three matches, it's like, holy jeepers. I mean, this is this is an absolute stacked card. Though from top to bottom, it's stacked, but it's really top-heavy at the main event. It just goes to show you how stacked that starting roster is. Yeah, absolutely. And you think as well, when they ran Budokan, we had a whole host of um, special appearances. We obviously had the special singles matches uh, with Nene Takahashi taking on Momo and Yoshiko taking on Mayu. You haven't got any of that in this Sumo Hall show. It's all stardom talent, and that is it. There's no, apart from Takumi Aroha, there's no there's no other participation from other companies. So that's another indication of how well they're doing this year. I, I agree with you. I think this match is going to be absolutely fantastic. This is Konami's last match for a substantial amount of time. She'll want to go out on a high. Hopefully they give it more time than they gave the Suri match in Budokan, but we will wait yeah. and see. Yeah, that match is really good, but you can tell it suffered for time. And I, I apologize. I thought this was uh, two from the top. There's actually these last four. I forgot about the tag match. Yeah, these last four matches are holy cheapers. This is a stacked card. Honestly, I, <laughs> I, I don't often buy pay per views. I'll wait for it to come onto a streaming service and watch it. Then I am highly considering buying this pay per view because just I won't be able to draw breath for the entire show, just the amount of good matches. I mean, this one, a 10th anniversary tag match between Takumi Aroa and Mayu Uitani and Hazuki and Momo. What a match that's going to be. Yeah, it was going to be. And again, this is a completely different Momo, and she's always wanted like this, this Takumi. She's always wanted you know, to get her hands on Takumi, and now she's going to get her on the big stage as a completely different Momo. So I think uh, I think this, and obviously, you know, Mayu, she's okay, and Huzuki's okay as well. You know, they're passable. <laughs> so, <laughs> so this should be something. You know, when I was looking at at this match they announced it, I was like, I kind of want Takumi and Mayu to be on opposite sides just for how good their singles matches will be. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, I'm not going to complain about what we got here. This is great. <laughs> this is going to be great. I will just say, and I know it's a conspiracy theory, and I sent it to you earlier. I don't think it'll happen. But there's just there's just something about Hazuki, and obviously there's a lot of history going back with her and Momo. Um, they're on the same team. Whether this, I don't think she turns on stars here. I do think she's going to turn on stars, and I don't know whether that's just because I'm conditioned to think she is a Weretai. You know, she is a heel. Um, but I've just whether this is the planting of the seeds or whether. You know, maybe Momo manages to tempt her halfway through the match. I don't know. There's just... It's probably not going to happen. And it's probably just fantasy booking. I've just got a, I've just got that weird feeling. And I, I don't fully trust Tazuki as a face. And I don't know if that's what they're going for or not. 
if you remember when they asked her to join stars, she said, well, I'll join stars, but I'm still going to, you know, walk to my own beat. I'm still going to be, you know, I'm not going to change who I am. I see your point completely because she's, you know, to me, she's still got that little, you know, the words of Judas priest, a little touch of evil in her. But at the same time, I, stars have, if you lose Suzuki stars has outside of Mayo, they really don't have another main eventer. You know, you need, you really need to kind of load all these groups up and you're going to load up a Wido tie with, you know, starlight kid, Momo and a Hazuki. I don't, I see your point. I just don't think it's going to happen. And again, we've already saw that one big turn. I don't think the other turn happens until maybe February or March where I think Mike or Himika is going to turn to join a uh, Wido tie, but that's just me, but I, I see your point. But as far as predictions in this match, Momo's got to get the win. And I think she's going to be, I think she's going to pin Takumi. I think Takumi's going to be uh, be here first, so Momo can finally get the victory she's been looking for uh, over Takumi. Granted, it's a tag match, but again, it's on a ginormous stage. Would make sense. I mean, you want now that you've pulled the trigger on this huge turn, you want to give her as much momentum as possible, and it makes sense for what I'm going to be predicting later on. So I'm going Momo for the win here. Um, and yeah, pinning Aroha makes perfect sense. Don't forget, she has already got a win over Mayu this year, having been in the five-star in what was another great match, predictably. Um, we move to the semi-main then, and it's the Wonder of Stardom Championship match between Tam Nakano and Saya Kamatani in her second challenge for the belt after her first unsuccessful one in July. You've already tipped your cap a little bit to this, Matt. You've already uh, shown your hand, as it were. You think Saya's taking this? Yeah, I think Sai is taking this. And I kind of like this when it's like you lose, you know, she lost back in the summer and now she's built her way back up to get the title match. And I like that. I like it when, you know, you see an MMA fight or a boxing fight or, or somebody loses and then they built themselves back up. I mean, I was there when Nigel McGuinness did it with Morishima and Ring of Honor. We just kept losing these matches and he kept building himself back up and he kept just barely losing. And then when he finally beat Morishima, it was this big culmination. I think Sai wins, but I wouldn't be shocked if... Uh, if Tam goes over as well, because she's done great things with that white belt and maybe she retains, but I'm just tipping. I'm just maybe 60, 40 on uh Sia winning. And then I think from here, I think they build Tam back up to, uh, and I think she's going to see Tam in the more main events come spring, summer of, uh, of 2022. I think, I think Tam is maybe outgrown the white belt. I think she's ready to be in, you know, maybe not getting the red belt, but maybe challenging for her or like number one contenders matches. Uh, she's obviously they want to push her because for obvious for obvious reasons but i think that uh, i think saya is going to hit the star crusher and the phoenix splash i think she's going to hit those two back-to-back moves uh for the win and i think um and we alluded to it last week i think she's going to have the european clutch and because she's been winning so many matches with it i think it's going to be a great great near fall but this is there's no way this match can miss agreed i I think Sai is winning this as well. The redem- the redemption story and the redemption arc is it it's pretty much written. Um it makes perfect sense that, you know, she lost in July. She takes the word of Tam on board, you know, post match where she said you need to embrace your ugly side. And she does that, grinds it out, wins, and beats her old mentor. It, it it's a story that's very organically done and it just works. It makes sense for Sai to be the one to dethrone Tam. That being said, I wouldn't be horrendously bothered if uh, Tam keeps the belt because I'd like to see Tam versus Suzuki. But, you know, I am going with Saya winning the belt here. It, it One of these two belts is going to change hands. And I think the white belt is more likely than the red belt spoilers. 
Yeah, I agree. Go ahead. (laughs) Let's go into the Red Belt match then. So it's the match everyone has been looking forward to, the rematch of the year. Yutami Haishishita defends her Red Belt against Suri in an unlimited time match. We've both already spoiled our prediction for this because we've both said we think Utami is retaining here. Why do you think Utami is retaining here? A couple of reasons. Number one, there's an old promoter saying that uh, when business is good and business is really good for stardom, you don't, and you have a long-term champion at the top, you don't take the belt off them. Uh, that's number one. Number two, if Siri wins, who's the next challenger? I mean, obviously, it's I wouldn't be heartbroken if she won because she's one of my favorites. But they really don't have anything built for her. With you, Tommy, you already have the, the Julia thing. And you have, obviously, the Momo thing, you know, going into the next year. I just think there's too much for you, Tommy, to do uh, as champion. And, again, the business has been so good with her as champion these last, you know, um, it's been over 400 days since she's been champion. So I think she retains, um, you know, going after the five-star, probably about four or five weeks after the five-star, I was 100% convinced Series winning the belt, and there's as things have been building and things have been going, there's just so much for you, Tommy, to do, and the money that Stardom has been making with her up top. I kept leaning a little less, a little less, a little less. I think last week when we talked, I think I had it sixty forty. You, Tommy, this week I'm like seventy five twenty five. I, I think I wouldn't be shocked. I've been wrong a time or two in my day, but um, I wouldn't be shocked if she loses. But I don't think she loses here. I think uh, I think we know who she's going to lose to or she, who she should lose to if a starter wants to continue doing a great business. But I have you, Tommy, here for the win. And I think this match will probably going to go, I'm going to say about close to about 50 minutes. I'm going to say 49, 50 minutes. I don't think it's going to go an hour just because of the double, you know, they had the double knockout, the 46-minute mark. So I think it's going to be like right around like 50. That should be another thing on the predictions that we should, we should see where uh, how long everyone thinks this match is going to go. <laughs> Add another ring. Add another uh, what's it to it? I I agree with you. I mean, at the moment, Utami sits as the fourth longest reigning red belt champion in history, um, behind both Iosha Rise Reigns and Nene Takahashi. So she's an illustrious company. Considering a lot of people thought when she first got the belt that she could be a transitional champion. To sit where she is now and think about what she's done with the Red Belt this year, even when at the start of the year people might not have believed in her as much as they should have done. You know, you look on, not necessarily Budokan, but definitely um, the Yokohama show in April where the tag match went on um, above the Red Belt. And you told me spoken about how upset that made her, the fact that the Red Belt wasn't on top for those two shows. But... I do see a retaining here. <sighs> Obviously, the storyline with Suri is she wants to sort of complete that arc. She wants to fulfill the legacy laid down by her mother. She wants to prove that she's as brave as her mother. I think she will do. Eventually, I just think organically there is another story grown that stardom are going to do. And it wouldn't surprise me if post-match, you know, Utami is utterly spent having gone 54 55 minutes with Suri she goes to pick up the mic and she's beaten down by Uita Tai and Momo lays down a challenge for the 11th anniversary show it wouldn't yeah, surprise me in the slightest I think you're I think you're dead on my friend I think you're absolutely dead on I think that that's what they're going to do um th- there's a reason that they've pulled the trigger on this turn so close to Christmas so close to the new year and there is no one hotter to challenge 
I mean, you look at Corrigan Hall for the year-end climax. They've sold that out without a single title match based solely on the Heat and Queen's Quest. So think about what they'll do if they run it at Corrigan Hall. They haven't announced where they're running it. I assume we'll find out in the next two shows. But you are going to do fantastic business off Utami versus Momo. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, I, do you think they flipped the belt there? Yes. Yes, I do. Yeah. And then think what, and then think what the, again, she's like, I just said, she's on top, but at the, at the same time, you don't want the fire to fizzle out because you know, there's going to be a return match. So say Momo wins the belt at the anniversary show. And then at a bigger show, you know, March, April, May, June, they can do the return bout. And then if they want to reflip it or if they want to keep it on Momo, that all depends on obviously, you know, what Momo does with the belt. But I think, uh, I think this will be Utami's last successful title defense. I think Momo gets the next shot, and I think uh, Momo you because you you gotta put if you're gonna put the belt on Momo, it's gotta happen in the next month or so because the angle's so hot that um, you, you don't want it you don't want it to cool down you don't want it to cool down especially if you're gonna return sometime in the spring or summer which I think that's what uh, I think that's what they're gonna do. I would be I would be shocked if Momo is not the next challenge for the red belt because the entire premise of her turn was people have surpassed me. So, you know, they've gone for the red belt. One of them has won it. It would it would surprise me if Momo's not the next challenger and it's not against Utami. Um, that does actually bring me to a question. Um, and it's the second half of uh, Deontay Walker's question on Facebook. And it was simply, um, sorry, lost the question. Please do bear with me. Um, and it's simply, what are your predictions for some of the things that are going to happen in 2022? Sorry, Devontae Walker, not Deontay Walker. I've misread that because I have my glasses on. Um, for me personally, and obviously I know Matt shares something similar, I think Momo versus Utami will headline the 11th anniversary show. I think Momo takes the belt there. Ideally then, you don't want to just run her through Queen's Quest, but you'd be stupid not to have Azumi win the Cinderella and not have Momo squash Azumi for the red belt. After all they've been through. I I wouldn't say it'd be a squash, but I think, you know, whenever somebody wins the Cinderella, you know, they come out all nice and the nice pretty gown and then they get, you know, their one wish. I think Azumi, you know, she wins. She doesn't come back out in the gown because she's pissed off and she cuts a very, it doesn't have to be profanity lace promo. You know what I mean? A very fiery promo that she, her wish is she wants Momo and she wants Momo almost in kind of like a no disqualification type match. And then if you want to, you can do the run in from a Weedle Tire Queen's Quest, or you do the no DQ with nobody can interfere. And then you just have them just do like a, just a crazy, crazy match. I don't think you squash Azumi. I think you maybe make it maybe 60 40. Mm. And obviously, Azumi will make that 40% work. But uh, I totally agree with you. I think Momo wins the belt at the beginning of the year. And Azumi wins the Cinderella and her wishes, uh, she gets a match with Momo. And that match will be absolutely insane. Absolutely. And I think it's important if you're going to make it a no DQ match, which let's face it, you know, by that point, they will have built up enough. I think you could do that now, to be honest, but they will have built up even more emotion and anger by then. You have got to make sure that you lean into the hatred, the anger and the aggression. Don't try and make it half comedy, half aggression like you did with Tora and Julia earlier this year proper lean into the aggression and feel the emotion of what's going on in that. That has to be what you do if you do that type of match. Um, In terms of the five-star, I think me and you are both in agreement on this as well, aren't we? 
Yeah, Julia. I think Julia wins it, and I think Julia either takes the belt off, you know, Momo, or if they want to flip the back belt back on you, Tommy. Or, like, those are the only really two. I mean, not unless they really kind of want to go all the way in with Tam uh, as well. And then, obviously, Mayu's a – she's always a safe bet. You can always, like, eh, let's throw the back belt, belt back on Mayu because she's just so good. But I think really the only two people you'll see holding the belt up until towards the end of the year is going to be Utami and Momo. I wouldn't be shocked if after five or six months – they flip it back on uh, Utami, but I think this time next year, uh, when we're doing this podcast, Lord willing, uh, that we're <laughs> going to be talking about uh, the main event of this big show at the end of the year is going to be Julia challenging Momo for the for the belt. It'll, I'd be surprised if they flip it to Utami in the next year, simply because there's only ever been two women to hold the world of Stardom Belt twice, and that's Io and Mayu. So. I'd be surprised if they flip it back to you, Tommy. However, you can't call the rain anything but a success. So, you know, should the should the opportunity call, I'm sure that obviously they won't hesitate to put it back on you, Tommy. And obviously she's drawn good money. Yeah, if business goes down, say like in six months when they're building up this rematch, if business goes down with Momo as champion, just like, well, you know, obviously at the end of the day, we need to be showing positive signs. We, we had it with you, Tommy. You know, let's uh, we, we got we you know we built this rematch back up. We'll we'll flip the belt back on her. But I mean, obviously, everything they they've done right. <laughs> they, I mean, everything they've done, they've done right. So I just see Momo having a long heel reign, and there's so many challengers, so many challengers you can do with a heel Momo up top. Mm. I just want to sort of work in another question here, and this will be the last thing we we talk about before we go off air. Um, Ed BC on the Discord has put thoughts on if you think there will be, and if there should be, a big roster shake-up in the first half of 2022, like a draft or otherwise. Um, Matt, do you want to go first with that one? I don't think so. If it's not broke, don't fix it. That roster's just, I mean, from everywhere, it's just, you know, on fire right now. I mean, obviously, there's been some free agencies in the Josie wrestling world. Unfortunately, I don't watch a lot of things outside of stardom when it comes to that. Um, obviously, I would love to see Kari somewhere in the mix, whether she's built as an attraction or, you know, she's she's there every now and again. I would like to see see her. Um, obviously, you have, depending on what's going on with travel restrictions, you know, you could have some of the AEW people coming over. But I just, I don't think they really shake things up just because of how well things are. Um, I don't know. I, I could be wrong. So, I don't know. What do you think? I mean, obviously, the last the last couple of years, they've done stardom drafts i think the last one was 2019 um but the way they've sort of flipped people in um in units like you know the starlight kid the goku can death um people turning on each other and things like that i feel like they're probably moving away from that and obviously one of the biggest shakeups is going to be momo to a that to then have some sort of draft it just it it doesn't play with what sort of things they're building at the moment. So it would it would certainly surprise me. The only real faction that I think would benefit from some sort of shakeup is DDM. Um and that's simply because you have got a lot of people in that faction who are in Julia's shadow. And I think there will be some sort of story where if Julia wins the red belt after winning the the five star, and these are big ifs, I think Suri will lose it. Having having not won the belt herself and then watching her friends take the belt, that could be uh that could be the straw that broke the camel's back, maybe. But I don't see there being a roster shake up. 
I'd be very, very yeah. surprised. Um, I'm kind of, I'm kind of just thinking off the top of my head, how awesome would it be, and especially in the the tag league, the goddess of stardom tag league, to see a Natsupoi Mayuatani tag team. Oh God, yeah. I just thought that just came to my head. I don't know. Sorry, it's all right. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and that's that's pretty much all we've got time for, guys. So thank you so much for listening. We we always really appreciate you tuning in to the Stardom Cast. Um, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, um, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, wherever you get them. Um, if you can leave us a five-star review and a comment on um, Apple Podcasts, that shoots us up those rankings. That's always really, really helpful. Uh, Spotify have just added a new ranking app for podcasts as well. So again, if you fancy throwing five stars our way, that would be fantastic. Thank you very much much um aside from that you can talk to us on twitter at, at the stardom cast check out the website www.podmania.co.uk and follow the links for the stardom cast the stardom cast awards will be back um we are going to wait till after sumo hall just in case there are some bangers of matches to put on um certain categories and things like that when they are up i will announce it on the podcast and i will also pin it to the top of our twitter feed um don't forget to check out our patreon the brand new episodes will start dropping on that on the 5th of january um matt where can they find you twitter or instagram just search matt turner of any questions um, I have merchandise up there. Whatever you guys need, feel free to hit me up. I will, you know, ask me anything you want. I will get back to you as soon as I possibly can. And you can talk to me at, at Real Rob Goodwin. Uh, have lovely holidays, ladies and gentlemen. Stay safe. I hope you're able to spend it with your families and everything else. We'll be back hopefully before the new year, reviewing both um, Year End Climax and the Sumo Hall Show. But until then, we'll see you soon and have a very Merry Christmas. <laughs>